Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 63 of the Kano Rinse Podcast. The Resident Evil follow-up that metamorphosed into its own IP during development, Hideki Kamiya's Devil May Cry, arrived on the PlayStation 2 to largely rapturous acclaim in 2001. Two years after 2003's much-maligned Devil May Cry 2, director Hideaki Itsuno bounced back with 2005's prequel, Devil May Cry 3, Dante's Awakening. Such was DMC3's success that it warranted an enhanced follow-up a year later in the shape of the special edition. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Darren Foreman. This party is getting crazy now that you're here. Darren, groundskeeper Willie, uh, how are you? I'm doing not bad, thanks for asking. Before the show, you said you were terribly depressed, but it turns out... It was a vin light to throw you off. It worked. And also, welcome back, Joshua Garrity. Reporting for duty, Captain Highbrow. (laughs) Captain Highbrow uh, was something that I was uh, accused of being by Dave Elmo Turners on our Christmas mashup podcast, which you should check out if you haven't. It's available from Midnight Resistance or Spong.com. You can find it via our blog, canarince.com. Uh, it's six hours long, and we talk about most of the uh, games of 2012, missing out a few. And uh, yeah, I think it, it's I think it's quite a good show considering how long it is. Really, uh, we are a bit dead by the end because it was uh, six hours, and it was two a.m. by the time we finished. But there you That's go. When I wake up. Yes. Well, you keep strange hours because you're a strange hermit-like northern creature. That's true. Daylight up here is strange. <laughs> Histories with the Devil May Cry franchise. Let's start with Darren. Well, for me, it's a slightly strange one because I had a friend that was just completely into the series. And you know when someone's just slightly too into something and it starts to bug your tits when they're talking about it all the time? And they're telling you to come around and just <laughs> watch them play it for days on end? Yeah, like you with you with Binary Domain, that sort of level of irritation. No, it's yeah? significantly worse than that. It's worse than everyone that's ever been talking about <laughs> Journey or Bayonetta or anything like that. It was just... Anyway, so me and this series didn't really get off to a good start. Didn't particularly get on with the first one, you know. I mean, it was it was okay, but I never really saw any of the magic in it. Devil May Cry 2 rolled around, and there was no magic to be found in that one for a start. And then the third one came around, and 
I was kind of bored of the series, and like I didn't actually trust my pals in that it was so much better than the last ones. And it wasn't until the special edition came out that I even gave it a chance. And to be honest, I'm very glad I did, because I was completely wrong about how much I thought that I would enjoy it. it I found it so yeah. much better than the originals. Were you already um, a Ninja Gaiden fan at this stage, presumably? Because that came out a year before Devil May Cry 3 and two years before the special edition. Yeah, so. I absolutely would have been because the minute I clapped hands on the demo for Ninja Gaiden, that was uh, when I fell in love with it. Yeah, right. Um, and obviously, you know, in some, although the setting is different and whatever, there are similarities. It is a 3D action hack and slash combat game that's quite technical quite demanding as well difficulty wise and stuff like that um so if if devil may cry 3 managed to uh rate in your affections even alongside the then recent ninja gaiden i guess that's saying quite a lot yeah um it's just it's a very different game from ninja gaiden like the way that you've got approach combat is completely different and yeah of course but I, i'm talking on a shallow gener you know and on a level of genre it is not so far away, plus you're fighting demons. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I mean, the main kind of feel of the game is very different, you know? Like, in the genre, they're both in the same genre. But, yeah, like, yeah. The, the way that you approach both games is completely different, and it's kind of interesting how they the vibe with each other, you know? I, uh, you know, I, I've played both. Um, I'm, I'm an expert on neither, and I know that they're very different, but I think, too, you know, the 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 non-hardcore fan of either they would perhaps appear more simple i think it's to know to know the difference is to, is to be very good at one or both of them um possibly i mean i can't really speak for that because i've got really into the guts of ninja gaiden and, yeah uh, ab absolutely well yeah. i was never at the devil Cry, even devil may cry 3 as much as my friend i did kind of spend enough time with it to really get down with at least yeah, the basics and some of the yeah, half can advance moves on it. I I imagine that the better you get at it, the more you know, the more individual it seems, and the, yeah, the more yeah. different it feels to other games. Even in on the a genre. surface level, for me though, it's just like the the like the physicality of each game feels different. Yeah, Ninja Gaiden's yeah, a lot does. more. It's like you can grapple your enemies. It feels like they're, I mean, generally they tend to be human or human esque, mm. and even the human looking ones in Devil May Cry, they're, you know, there's, you can't body them the same. You know, it's, there's no grappling mm. element. Or very, mm. very little compared to Ninja Gaiden. But yeah. And it's more about the juggling and all yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's more about um, how you can destroy them as opposed to kind of like getting like you with them. If that makes sense, you know. It's just <laughs> what they can do, you know, what Dante can do. Because he's got a lot of... Uh, the style method, the entire style method completely changes this game apart from nearly any other one out there. It's about as looking yeah. as good as you can whether you're doing what you do. We'll get into that deep later. Yeah. Um, and did you play four on the current generation machines? Yeah, I sure did. Um, enjoyed it fine, but the level design and that made me want to be just beat a child. So I stopped playing it after I completed it. And started beating a child. Yes, exactly. Instead, yeah, uh, I I hear there's a lot of repetition in in four where it, it it sort of plays the second the second half of the game is the first game first half of the game again, but with different. Yeah, and a, a different you, you agenda, get a new Carter, who is quite familiar to fans of the series, and um, it's just, there's, there's like all these flow-breaking puzzles, like some of the later uh, aspects of the game are just not for me, no. Okay. Josh, what about you and the DMC lineage? Um, This is another case of going round a friend's house and playing the game. Um, 
DMC Three was my first experience of the Devil May Cry uh, Devil May Cry franchise. Um, I was about sixteen at the time, which in some ways is the perfect age to play. Devil yeah, May Cry I, I, 3. I was thinking that when I was playing it at the age of forty, thinking I wish I was sixteen. <laughs> I might, I might think this was a bit cooler than I do. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it was kind of a case of uh, you know at that time I wasn't as aware of what was going on in the game industry, um, and so it was kind of a just a pleasant surprise to discover this game and. Um, then later on I went back to some of the previous entries in the Devil May Cry series. Uh one, I appreciate it for what it's trying to do, but because it was kind of the first game in this genre, um it feels very basic when compared to what we would consider like the absolute greats in this genre these days. Uh, two, uh, the less said about two, the better. It's just a horrible game. Um, and four, in some ways, actually does improve on some aspects of three. But as Darren said, the level design is just terrible. Mm. It's, it's the just... same uh, producer again, isn't it, on four? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because Free feels like there was a artistic direction, if that makes any sense. It feels like um, they knew what they wanted to make, whereas 4, it felt like, okay, we've made a game and we've still got four hours to entertain somebody, so let's just repeat the same assets all over hmm. again. It's just... It's not very well made. I mean, it's an okay game. It's not terrible, but... It, you get bored of it after about four hours. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that the real way to enjoy the fourth game is to just play the Bloody Palace more or less because level design elements get in the way and the combat is still very good. Yeah, the mechanics are great. It's just the design of the levels that is terrible. Okay. Yeah, my history with the series, I uh, bought the original on launch day PAL uh, in December 2001. Um, I was kind of into the, I guess I was, uh, what, late 20s at this point um i was kind of into it um but found it extremely difficult and also the um the pal conversion was non-existent in that it was fully bordered and ran almost 17 percent slower than the japanese version so a few years later when i got a, an import enabled ps2 i bought it again an american ntsc copy for uh, five pounds i think it was of cex and gave it another go got a bit further but still got stuck quite early on um and so kind of abandoned the series for a while uh avoided two altogether because the reviews were pretty poor uh, i did buy three and again started off dabbled found it very difficult um wasn't really into the aesthetic or anything by this point in the mid 2000s um didn't i i kept intending to buy the, the special edition which was released as a uh, it was kind of like the budget re-release um but they added a lot which we'll talk about and changed a few things um but it wasn't until the hd collection came out last year that i bought them again um still haven't touched two whatsoever probably never will uh gone back to one a bit and uh, got further found it much easier this time i don't I, I, it's weird as i get older i seem to be i don't know if it's confidence and experience uh outweighing my declining um motor skills and hand-eye coordination but 
Um, oh. I found the bits I got stuck on early with the 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 infamous lava spider boss uh, two two appearances. I cruised past that this time, and um, and I'm now a, 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 something I'm finding a lot more difficult, which is a a fight with some kind of panther dog demon in a in a courtyard, which is tougher. Yeah, I was just uh, going to be asking about the phantom. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, but my first attempt, I got I got most of the way through that as well. So I think having recently played through three, as I did the HD version, uh, which was released uh, yeah about a year ago, as uh, as we record, um, it's a pretty lazy HD collection, isn't it? Um, I don't know if you, have you guys both got the HD collection or played the HD no. version. I've played it, but uh, it was just in a rental. I didn't play that much of it and sent it back. Mm. Okay, so um, yeah, it's by uh, uh, an, uh, uh, a backbone. I can't remember which is. There's, a, there's an arm of backbone who have worked on the the conversion, and it possibly says nothing for their skills or abilities. It might be to do with Capcom's uh, budget for it and the time they were afforded, but it's not a particularly fancy HD collection. The games obviously do look a bit nicer um, in game, but they they look compared to Blue Point's work on uh, Metal Gear Solid or, or Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, they look very rough and like none of the menus have really been afforded any attention. They're, they're still not in widescreen and the textures are low res and so on. So it's, it's a very kind of basic HD collection. That said, it is the you know the best way to buy the trilogy if you're interested because um, they cost uh, it costs like you, know, you probably get it for ten pounds or fifteen dollars or something and you get achievements and trophies and whatever so really uh, stingy trophies and achievements by the way yeah quite tough yeah um, but there are a set for for each game so there's yeah there's a lot there to be doing and you will unlock a certain amount through simply playing. Uh, but we'll get on to my feelings about it later. Uh, we've got a, a little feedback about the other games in the series uh, from Scrussel from the forum. I've only ever played the old PS2 trilogy relatively recently, although I had been aware of the franchise for a while. Before DMC4 came out, I just never bothered to get around to buying them until the HD re-releases. Even then, I didn't buy them immediately. I'm not having as much fun with it as DMC4 for several reasons. Originally, I intended to go through each game in release order, but I found the first game to be near unplayable. I can understand why it is, though. It was pretty much the first game in its genre and it was spawned from a game of a completely different style brackets resident evil 4 and i think as a result dmc1 doesn't really feel like it understands how to do what it's doing well that style of combat has been honed pretty well now even by games of a different genre so devil may cry 1 feels pretty terrible in comparison the camera is awful the controls feel clunky and unresponsive and the moveset is pretty limited the graphics don't stand up well anymore either i got up to the point where you fight uh, is it nello angelo yeah or nello angelo uh, the first time and i just decided i couldn't fight through all the shortcomings of the game but i when I only really wanted to play the game to get it under my belt. DMC4 was the first game in a series I ever played and I thought it was great. Before that, the only similar game I'd ever played was the original God of War and I really enjoyed that so I thought I would give this one a go too. I really loved the fluidity and stylishness of the combat in DMC4, especially using Nero. Although I agree with people that the way that they pretty much recycle the first half of the game in the second half is kind of cheap. It didn't really annoy me that much. You were playing a different character with a completely different playstyle, so it felt sufficiently unique to me. In fact, I also found it quite fun seeing how Dante's interactions with characters we'd already seen differed from Nero's earlier. And uh, also regards to uh, DMC1, 
and so on. Todinho says, while I love DMC1 for its ridiculous story, fast-paced and challenging gameplay and great creativity in general, I hated the sequel. The level design was both bad and boring, just as the overall enemy design and not even the combat felt all that good to play. The story was dull and didn't make much sense. Not that the first game was a masterpiece in storytelling, but it had a compelling plot at least. The game left me such a bad taste that I quit the series and never looked back. Everybody says that DMC3 redeems it all, but I never mustered the courage to play it. We shall give you courage. Courage indeed. Uh, I also was wondering, now this, this this is a big no for me, but have either of you chaps indulged in any manga, anime, or any other uh, Devil May Cry spin-off? Oh god, I did watch the anime. It's god-awful. It's terrible. Is it? Um, Just don't... The thing is, like, I can forgive the really cheesy cutscenes in the context of Devil May Cry 3 Mm -hmm. because it's a video game and ultimately that's why I'm there. Uh, to what that's why I'm here to experience, but in a anime series where the cutscenes are the only thing, like the writing, the level of writing, the level of characterization that's in Devil May Cry Three is present in the anime, and you realize, oh God, this is so bad. Why? Why would anyone want to do this? Um, right. It's it's uh, a void. Please, everyone. So there's some novels, some manga, some anime, various other things, um, possibly some Western comics as well. I'm not sure. But uh, it's fair to say that it's a franchise with some fairly rabid fans, uh, which we've seen uh, vocalised recently and mobilised. Um, we'll talk about that when we come to talk about the, at the time of recording, imminent reboot DMC, Devil May Cry, by Ninja Theory. So... Uh, as I say, the director of DMC3 was Hideaki Itsuno. Um, his uh, CV is a mixed bag of Devil May Cry 2, Devil May Cry 4, and Devil May Cry 3. Um, he also worked on Resident Evil Outbreak, which uh, was perhaps slightly more interesting if you lived in a country where you could play it online. That was the online one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think in Powerland we got a sort of horribly uh, crippled and bastardized offline version of a game which I don't, I don't think it took I never knew that they ripped it out which is kind of like ripping the guts out of the entire concept behind it yeah well if you remember online support for PS2 in, in, in Europe was pretty much non-existent I mean you I could you know there you were, could go online you know yeah it had, you can connect an ethernet port to it and um, play certain games uh, Twisted Metal Metal Gear Solid online a um, few other things Tony Hawk's um, but yeah generally it wasn't a thing um, there was no sort of there was no PlayStation Network type service or anything like that. Um, he also worked on Auto Modelista, which was Capcom's sort of answer to Gran Turismo, but I think it was pretty appallingly received. But more recently, he worked on a little game called Dragon's Dogma, which, although didn't do amazingly well critically uh, among my peers, is considered one of the greatest games of 2012, if not one of the best action RPGs ever. The Master Roxal. You can't go wrong. So, yeah, um, I didn't even know until I started doing research for this show that Hideaki Itsuno was... Uh, I didn't know that the same bloke was basically the man behind DMC3 and Dragon's Dogma. And that's, I found that quite fascinating. It makes me more interested in checking out Dragon's Dogma because that means the combat's going to be of a high standard, at least. It is. I mean, yeah, as somebody who's... Is. As somebody who's dabbled in Dragon's Dogma rather than absolutely came to rinse it, like uh, Darren has and uh, like Sean Bell of uh, Midnight Resistance, um, 
I really, really like what I've played of Dragon's Dogma. Um, it's a really excellent game. It's only time and distractions that have prevented me from playing it further. I am slightly mystified by its sort of slightly moderate um, review showing because if you talk to anyone who's actually played it, who's into that genre, um, they tend to pretty much adore it. So, strange one. So, as we say, in 2006... A year after the original version, uh, they brought out this special edition. So the additions include... Uh, so they added Virgil as a playable character. And this uh, this unlocks after your first completion. Um, and you can play back through the entire story as Virgil? Yeah. Changes cutscenes and stuff? There's a couple of new cutscenes, but apart from that, um, there's no real story to Virgil's campaign. Okay. He's a fun he's a fun character to play as, but he's a bit overpowered, and after a while, it gets a bit boring because even though he's it's it's nice to just kick everyone's butt for a while, um, you just want to go back to Dante and actually have a challenge. I think it could have been interesting storyline wise if they'd made him a complete pussy the minute that you got your hands on him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they also added the now famous Bloody Palace mode, which has been in DMC4 and is uh, going to feature in DMC, the reboot. Uh, so this is your your wave-by-wave wave attack, which goes up to a ridiculous 9,999. After each fight, you can um, select uh, 110 or 100 levels. Uh, so you can get through it in a relatively modest amount of time. Unless you're going up the, the, level, the one levels all the time. Oh, that would yeah. I mean, that would that would take. I have no idea how long it would take, but I, I had a quick play of this, um, and I didn't even know about the pillars thing. I just worked it out by trying things out, and um, yeah, after I don't know how long, maybe you know, fifteen twenty minutes, I was only a f- few hundred levels in, as it were, and uh, and obviously they were starting to get hard. Like I think I think I was on about level two hundred and something or three hundred and something, and I got a fight against the boss that is the end boss of the game in the in the in the main game so i was thinking right if this is now uh what am i going to be facing at level you know 9000 or whatever uh just i yeah no idea um this is for the hardcore this mode i, I think it's fair to say um i never really dabbled with it that much i mean I got to uh, around where you got to, Leon, and then decided, you know what, I prefer the campaign. Yeah, you can use it to grind, but then you can use levels of the campaign to grind. So I think the problem here, I mean, like yeah. here and this now that it's got the nearly ten thousand levels, mm. I'm kind of disappointed that I never went through it. But at the same time, any time there's a mode like this in a game, I get fatigued after about twenty minutes of straight fighting. Like the pacing yeah. of a campaign tends to have these nice little breaks in between. So that you've mm. had time to think and recollect and just admire the scenery. I mean, there's none of that in survival modes. And while I can see why that it would be considered the the most pure way to play it, I just wish yeah. there was something else that was dragging you through it. Not just the combat, which is fantastic, but as I was saying, you can get the co- the combat and the campaign. I just prefer that method of playing. Yeah, and fuck knows what happens at the end. I, I assume in the HD collection there's some kind of really nice, you know, a, a, a gold trophy or a high-scoring achievement for it, but I don't know. Uh, I would bloody hope so. I don't know if it, there's any sort of major unlocks attributed to it, but then if you're that good that you can do it, what else could you possibly want? Another costume? A stick. Yeah, just a stick. Mm, yeah, A Deku stick from Zelda that goes on and then blows out when you wave it too fast. 
Um, they added a new difficulty level, very hard, because obviously the original wasn't hard enough. Uh, actually, it's uh, one of those things where they rebalanced it slightly, because the very hard is the same as the hard mode in the US version, uh, which was harder than hard mode in Europe and Japan. The special editions hard is the same as hard in the European Japanese, Japanese original. So the special edition has five levels of difficulty compared to four. Uh, so, and infamously, they go up to the unlockable Dante Must Die. Uh, have you guys actually, you know, gone so far as to play it through and complete all the levels on, on the harder settings? Yeah, I have. Triple S ranked every level? Didn't go that far. My pal did, though. Because, yeah. Did Did you manage to complete Dante Must Die, um, Darren? Yeah. Oh my god. Darren's, Darren's quite um, good at these sorts of things, it should be said. Yeah, I'm at the uh, other end of the ability spectrum on this sort of game, unfortunately. I'm around in the middle. Um, I managed to complete the game on hard, but uh, I never went higher yeah, than that. I mean, I do feel that I kind of... I, I never really cheated, but I wasn't particularly kind of stylish when I was playing through in uh, Dante Must Die mode. Like, um, I was just kind of re- releasing what works, and that is kind of against yeah, yeah. the idea of Devil May Cry, you know? Like, the thing is, if you just play it just using, like, very re- repetitive movesets, you're not getting the full experience of the, the the core gameplay, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely true, and that's one of the reasons why perhaps, you know, I, I don't love it as much as some people do, um, in that I just find yeah. myself button bashing or, you know, using certain favourite moves, and, uh, I, you know, I, I... I mean, on top I, of that, it's just... Like, combo-based gameplay isn't for everyone, you know? Maybe you just prefer a limited moveset that, you know, works and that you're relying on the enemy patterns, you know? Having like... said that, I did fall in love with Bayonetta and got reasonably good at it. So I think it might it might be to do with, you know, how long how long you spend with it and how much, you know, you enjoy the aesthetic and stuff as well. Um, yeah. So uh, they also added the continue system, which is the gold mode. I like the way that when you first boot the game up and you start a new game, it says, do you want to play gold or yellow? It's like, um, what? I have no idea what this means. Uh, so gold uh, give, basically gives you infinite continues and um, hold uh, reviving gold orbs. Uh, but the yellow uh, version is where you can only revive yourself with the yellow orb. You can buy them or find them, um, but if you run out, it's game it's over. It's actually basically. highly disappointing, you know? Like, if you'd packed gold mud and Spandau Ballet was the soundtrack... Yeah, it would have been more like um, Lollipop Chainsaw, but with better combat. That would have kicked ass. <laughs> uh, they added a, 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 a watch the demos, watch the cutscenes option. Um, they added a turbo mode, although this wasn't in the PAL version uh, for technical reasons, but it is now in the HD collection, so uh, European people can play the 20% faster turbo mode, which I've had some fun with. It is very quick. Yeah, uh, I've, heard, I've heard a lot of good things about that, or at least uh, certain player bases trying to say that it's how the game should be played. I can imagine I never people saying it. that. Yeah. Uh, well, if yeah, if you played PAL, did you play PAL PS2 version? It was a US version they played. Oh, okay, so yeah, you would have had the option, but um, uh, they added semi-optional boss fights with the character Jester. Uh, the first one of which is compulsory. Uh, second and third ones can be avoided. We'll talk about the characters later. Uh, there are some new costumes, and most significantly to expert players, they altered the jump cancelling mechanics. So uh, they altered it so that more cancelable frames have been introduced, which basically means uh, you can do more aerial combos. 
than in the original mode. Basically makes the combat flashier, I suppose, in short. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so this was, uh, I think, PS2 only. Back It did, certainly didn't come to Xbox or GameCube, but it did get a port to the PC, which is and the stuff of legend. Loved. Yeah, much loved. Uh, that's that's you saying the opposite to the truth, the effect yes. of humour. Well, it's much it's, reviled. It's, I haven't played it, but just no. as a taster of uh, how good it's supposed to be, the camera is controlled with... Both the left and the right thumbstick on the on the on an Xbox pad once you've set it up, yeah. but you can only pan it left and right with one of them, and then it's up and down as on the other stick. And I think for even on, I think it was extreme. It was a massive system hog when it came out as well. Obviously, that probably isn't such an issue now. Um, full of shortcomings and bugs and graphical glitches and yeah, just basically crap. So if you so are basically, to- if you want to play this after doing it, after uh, listening to this podcast, just go and buy the PC version and you'll get the the full experience. Yeah, or yeah, get the HD collection. Or I think you can even download the HD collection. So, right. So, uh, who would like to describe the sort of aesthetic of this game? Graphics. It's um, it's kind of like a heavy metal aesthetic is the best way I can describe it. It look everything looks like the album cover of like a Metallica or something like that. It is very sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old boy. Like, oh, isn't this so cool? Isn't <laughs> I'm it? so it's glad just, you're saying this because like, oh, I really, Reaper. this is exactly how I feel, but I'm 40 and so it just makes me sound like an old fuddy daddy. But you're in your early 20s, so please carry on. I get the feeling on. that it's a Japanese idea of like sort of European Gothic. Yeah. You know, like yeah. they don't quite get it, but they're just trying to make it edgy in their own way. Yeah. And, and for a lot of people, you know, those people out there, the kind of people who are. Uh, de- desperately upset about the reboot and the the, the change stylings. Um, absolutely in love with it, you know, and 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 worship Dante as a as a as a deity, which he, where well, he sort of is a fallen, uh, devil type deity. Um, I could tell you why his hair's white, but it would get me in trouble. Well, I think that this may come up with the DMC uh, uh, conversation later, but um. Yeah, so gothic. Uh, it's pretty dark. Like um, the palette is very, very muted. Deep reds, greys. Um, the monsters naturally are sort of demonic. Um, I, I generally found the monster design a little disappointing, a little uninspiring. So, you know, I, even compared to the original Devil May Cry, I like the puppets and things in that one. Um, I think some of the stuff in DMC three is a little less. Mo- Little less I don't inspired. think the anime design in Devil May Cry 3 is better, particularly, but the puppets never really gelled with me either, and I think that there is a good mixture of enemies that are cool, and enemies that are not so cool. You know, like the spiders, mm. they just, I, like, that shoot uh, little plasma bolts at you. Generic bugs, yeah. Yeah. Large ones. Um, I would say that I do prefer this art style to say, um, I know Darren's going to hate me now, uh, a Ninja Gaiden art style. Um, Even though the art style is clearly appealing to that kind of adolescent mentality, I do think it is well designed and everything's consistent visually. It is, yeah. Whereas in Ninja Gaiden, there is some stuff that just downright looks ugly. And I know fans of the game are going to want my head (laughs) after saying that, but I just think visually that game has no appeal whereas this 
you may not like it may not be to your taste but i think there is a vision here definitely yeah uh, it's just whether you like yeah it, it is consistent not. and um, actually there are a few locations which i enjoyed there's certain caves and certain areas of architecture and uh, there's a there's a level later on where you're sort of um in a in an astral a sort of are you actually supposed to be in heaven or some limbo or something between where it's you know suddenly everything's white and uh that's 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 yeah, yeah it's all quite striking um but yes overall uh it looks a little murky to these to these eyes um especially as i say i think it's partly that even the hd version a lot of the textures aren't particularly high res uh which i think is a, a shame what about no, I'm the just music? saying. I thought personally that it was a little bit too dark for my taste as well. You know, mm. like in the main, I mean, there there are obviously different environments, and some of them are quite nice to look at. But yeah, especially in the early game, it's really grungy looking, and it's just. I I would mention though that technically this game was one of the better looking games on Definitely, the PS2. Yeah. It was certainly up there with Shadow of the Colossus and God of War Two. It's mo- but, moving yeah, a lot of art... stuff around and maintaining a frame yeah. rate. Yeah, the frame rate is the main thing, you know. It kept 60 pretty much all the time. Yeah. Um, what about the music? Obviously, uh, this straddles a few genres. Uh, so A that... lot of people love it, but <laughs> goddamn. <laughs> so let's continue. Um, there's a, I think there, there, there's a couple of names I managed to find. There's Tetsuya Shibata, um, a Capcom stalwart who's worked on Darkstalkers, which I love, Monster Hunter, Street Fighter Zero, Marvel vs. Capcom, Power Stone. All, all, all have some great music. Um, another name I found was Kento Hasegawa. Uh, the only other credit of his I could find is a post Devil May Cry 3 credit, which is El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron, which seems to come up a lot. Um, had some really nice music as well yeah um, so I think the thing is there's some incredibly uh, Resident Evil sounding pieces that obviously were probably originally purposed for uh, when DM or the you know the its precursors in DMC1 were from when it was a Resident Evil game and obviously it carries over some of those things there's a there's a couple of ambient sounds which could be straight out of uh uh, a, a, a middle a middle era Resident Evil, shall we say? Um, but there's also the combat theme, which you'll hear quite a lot, which is a sort of um, horrific. So it's bast- that kind of sensibility that Josh was talking about, targeted at all those people. Apart from instead of coming in through your <laughs> eyes, it's been shoved in through your ears. Yeah, imagine. Uh, I think you know. Again, I'm an old fuddy duddy, but it, it sounds like a sort of drum and bass. Uh, beat with a sort of death metal style vocal over the top uh with some you know really atrocious lyrics and uh feel free to die when you've had enough that's that's exactly the sort of thing so imagine that over and over again with a drum and bass uh that's actually the big kind of complaint i have about the audio it's probably got good tracks but every time i think of the music that's the the one piece that just jumps into your face because it's the one that's used for combat of course. And it comes on yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to uh, see how people feel about the dubstep that's been used in, in the reboot in a few years' time when that genre is, uh, you know, no longer the thing. Um, but yes, there are some good mood pieces and orchestral pieces as well, it's fair to say. Josh, got any thoughts on the music? No, I was just going to say what you just said. I think there are some good orchestral uh, themes in this, especially the one that they play during the prologue sequence Mm. at the beginning. I thought that was a good piece of music. But yeah, uh, generally, that heavy metal style music does start to grate after a while. 
So, uh, generally, you start playing as Dante. Uh, you may already know him from the previous games in the series, but this is set at the start of the DMC story, as was told by Capcom. Um, so he's a white-haired dude. Uh, he wears uh, a big, long red coat, but he has no shirt underneath it. Uh, he wears he's basically like Glam Rockstar. Sort of glam rock, um, the sort of character you've seen in other Japanese uh, games, who yeah, basically looks more like a, a rock star than a than a fighter. Whether it be uh, uh, what is it, Axl Rose out of um, Guilty Gear or uh, the, the Raxel out of um, uh, Fighting Vipers? There's been a lot of them. They do like their their sort of Guns and Roses influenced. Uh, combatants. Um, it's not. It's the hair, man. It's all about the hair. Well, yeah. Obviously, Dante has short hair. He doesn't have a mullet or anything, which is it's still floppy. It's it's an imp- it's an improvement. It's an improvement over a mullet. Uh, I would say. Uh, later, you you can uh, you will meet in the course of the story uh, Virgil, who is Dante's brother, who is a kind of uh, where where Dante is uh, cocky and brash. Virgil is kind of He's snooty. cool and calculating. Um, there's Arkham, who is, uh, he would twirl his moustache if he had one. He's your classic comic book, uh, Saturday morning kids cartoon villain. Lady, his daughter, who is the kind of woman who is in Japanese action combat games. <laughs> I can't think of a better description than that. Yeah, she's not exactly realistic. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, uh, she's both, uh, cute, like a, like a woman should be. I'm saying that in inverted commas, and also kicks ass with a rocket launcher just like women should do yep and then there's jester who is basically the joker out of batman with a bigger nose uh those are the main characters really those are the main speaking parts uh you you hear of talk of sparda who is your your demon father um other than that the interaction between the characters is all very uh pantomime very campy uh not it's certainly there's there's very little sort of uh, depth here. I would have said. Um, that said, I I don't. I've seen worse. I I've been playing God Hand <laughs> recently, and the cutscenes in that make this look like yeah. Shakespeare. Um, but yeah, it is very two dimensional, and the characters don't have much depth. Dante doesn't change at all. He's just <laughs> he doesn't seem to care about anything that's going on. And of on. course, this is our weekly uh, issue, weekly spoiler alert. He cries at the end, which gives the whole uh, franchise its name retroactively, of course. But there's absolutely no <laughs> indication that he's felt any emotion, other than the fact that Lady says, "Oh, you're crying." <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Josh. The only character that does have some level of depth is Arkham, but because he's so over the top and it's hard to take him seriously. Um, That said, the voice acting isn't terrible. I mean, for this Mm. kind of game, it's not terrible. I I managed to be able to enjoy it in a kind of ironic sense. Like, I'm not going to compare this to a game that you know really does story uh, storytelling well but compared to a lot of the dross that's out there in this medium i i, I would rather play devil may cry free than say Shenmue. i think the story is every bit as bad as them but it's done with a certain panache that kind of lifts it above its base values yeah beautifully said i think um that's it. it it is it is very much uh although it you know it has the odd rude word and blood in it it is very much of the uh, children or teenage teenagers cartoon uh, school of video game storytelling um, and within that it's 
it's okay. All the, pretty much all the boss monsters have the same fucking voice effect like, that all these games have. Mm. Do that again. But they all talk like that, don't they? Um, Dundee. Yeah. Uh, and, and and every time you meet one, you're like, they look completely different, but they all talk the same, uh, which is why I was pleased, again, jumping ahead slightly, to uh, to meet the boss in uh, DMC3, uh, sorry, DMC Reboot demo, and uh, <laughs> had a totally different vocal experience. Um, generally, this game is all about the game, though, really, isn't it? It's all about the, the fighting and the technicals, and uh, that's where this game offers a crazy amount of content. As mentioned before, you know, from the very first time you start the game, you're offered uh, multiple difficulty settings and the options of the golden yellow continue style. I don't think there's any advantage to making it harder for yourself by playing it through on yellow, uh, because I don't think it unlocks anything or, or affords you any extra abilities or anything like that. It's purely for... It says it on your on your status screen. One of the key things about DMC three is, and the special edition, I think, is that you can play and replay levels at any time on any difficulty as you unlock them. So the game encourages you to dive around and play it like a game and better your ranking. So you can get a ranking of is it does it go from D upwards or E? I can't remember. Um all the way up to triple S rank. So obviously the the way to really complete the game is to triple S rank every level on, on Dante Must Die difficulty. But... Um, isn't it just an S rank that you get at the end? Like the triple S's during combat. Oh, okay, right. Uh, yeah, see, this proves that I've never got one. So, um, yeah, I never got it up to trip. I, I heard of this this tripical, tri- triple S mystical. Six smoking style, I believe it is in this game. So yes, okay, get an S rank against every... Basically every letter within your grade kind of comes up with some crazy radical term. Yeah, that's right. And, they, and they've brought that over to, um, they brought that over to the, the new one as well, which is cool, but with different words. Yeah. Um, so yes, what you want to do is keep diving in and out of levels and uh, getting S ranks for sections on different difficulties. And the good thing is for... Uh, players of lesser ability such as myself after you die three times on normal which is the only one you can select the first time you can go back in start a new game on easy difficulty but that doesn't preclude you from being able to play all those other levels later on on higher levels at all in fact it gives you the chance to play through the entire game see the story uh, and unlock loads of the weapons and abilities and styles and use them on your subsequent playthroughs. So that, to me, is absolutely the way that games should handle this. I think this was one of the first examples of a game that let you sort of do it yeah, like that. I mean, the whole point is that you're unlocking this arsenal that you can use on difficulties that would otherwise just destroy the average player, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're not there as a way to cheapen that difficulty. It's a way to survive that difficulty. It's kind of designed with these skills in mind. With that in mind, we'll talk, we'll talk a little about styles and weapons and, you know, the combinations thereof are astronomical. Um, even you as a high-level player, Darren, would you um, find yourself, when playing it through on Dante Must Die, uh, mainly be using moves and equipment and styles that you'd, or cert- maybe not style, but certainly moves and weaponry that you'd acquired through playing? Would you even, you know... As a good player, you know, maybe you're not the best in the world at DMC3. I'm sure there's some absolute savants out there. But No, I've seen some combo videos that are just... Mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you find yourself using items and, you know, health items and stuff like that? Or would you generally avoid that? Would you spend your souls um, 
Because th- this is what I mean by grinding. Playing through it, I didn't have a problem with using items, but any time that I was trying to improve myself on a certain section or yeah. try and get a decent rank, you can't really use items, you know? It penalises you for doing it. Yeah, so, yeah, this is what I, I haven't really explained, but this is what I mean by grinding is every time you kill anything or smash a bit of scenery, you get these souls which come out of your thwarted enemies. Uh, they fly into you in... in uh, red orbs. I think the first time I saw this was probably in Capcom's Onimusha. It's a very similar sort of regime and annulus. Just... Yeah, you had the gauntlet and you would just suck them all in. Ninja Gaiden as well has a similar sort of system to this, I suppose. Yeah, essence. You can, you can, if you want, play level one on easy, mission one, over and over and over and over and over and over again until you've got enough souls to unlock as many items as you want. It would be a lot of work. It would be a lot of work. I'm sure there are certain points in the game where it's best for harvesting souls. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if you were doing level one over and over again, chances are if you were doing that at the start, you wouldn't really be doing it to grind, but to learn how the game works, basically, you know? Yeah. It's like it's a good, easy start off to it all. But as an example, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just anywhere anywhere that you you can keep going back, basically. Yeah. Um, and with those you can buy small health items, large health items, uh, items that damage enemies. You can increase your health bar. Uh, what else is there? Remind me, fellas. Upgrade, you can... Um... Gunpower. You can buy techniques. Yeah, I was trying to remember if it was stealth points on this one, but I think that was a Devil May Cry 4 conceit. All right. And, uh, yeah, what, what other... There's, there's, there's only a few usable items. Um, the game also has a system where you find bits of... Uh, is it blue blue souls or whatever that you can... Uh, if you collect four, like, heart pieces in Zelda, you can get your, your life bar increased. Various things like that, but... Yeah, there's a lot of places with puzzles or challenges where you can get these little fragments, as you're saying, that'll just lock together and sort you out with a little nice new bit of health, which is very handy. No, it's not an easy game. The, the game makes it quite uh, expensive to buy uh, health items as well, doesn't it? So although there are places where you can pick them up, um, the price starts off lower but gets higher as you buy health items to the point they max out at, uh, I think it's 5,000 and 10,000 souls for a health item. And that's actually, you know, that's a reasonable amount because you could be buying a new move with that instead. Uh, you start off with the choice of these four styles, Trickster, Swordmaster, Gunslinger and Royal Guard. Uh, and you start off with a sword, which has a name, I can't remember, and your... Rebellion. Rebellion, and your guns, Ebony and Ivory. But this is just the tip of the iceberg, so, um, yeah, explain style and uh, how it relates to your arsenal. Well, basically you're choosing kind of what your focus is going to be. For example, if you pick Swordmaster as a style, then all uh, the uh, circle button is going to do special moves that are associated with your melee weapons. So Rebellion will do this weird spinny move and other weapons will do other interesting things. Uh, The electric guitar you get later on turns into a massive scythe if you press that button. But also if you uh, pick uh, Gunslinger, you can do all sorts of like weird gun catter techniques where you're shooting in all directions and 
doing this weird spinny move in the air. So basically, you're choosing what kind of special uh, specialization uh, you want. Are you somebody who hangs back and wants to take out people with long range weapons, or do you want to get up close and personal? And the Royal Guard and the Trickster are uh, Royal Guard's more defensive abilities, and the Trickster is more like um, evasive, agile abilities. Um, and later on, you get these other two uh, styles, uh, the Quicksilver and Double Ganger, which mm. I hardly ever use. Yeah, I was going to ask about these uh, as well as those four styles. There are these two that you find throughout the game. Um, so Quicksilver is the one that's I, I, it, what it sounds like is closest to Witch Time in Bayonetta. I think it gives you, does it slow down enemies or speed you up or... It, it does, but it's nowhere. I don't find it anywhere near as useful mm. as um, Witch Time. Because Witch Time, like, that slowdown was at the perfect point when your enemy was open. Um, with this, it's just whenever you want to activate it, you can activate it. And it. And. It doesn't really feel... It doesn't seem to fit Devil May Cry's uh, combat system specifically. Uh, it's not really that necessary. And also the benefits you get from the other styles, like the Swordmaster and stuff like that, you start missing those abilities and you just end up going back to yeah, them Yeah, that anyway. was one of the small... I mean, it's good that you've got, obviously, this variety that you can choose from. But I found myself wishing that I had aspects from every single one in my own core style. Like, I wanted to have the maneuverability of the trickster style because I like... I'm a really evasive yeah. player, you know? Like, I I tend to enjoy defensive, like, just getting the hell out of the way at the, in the nick of time. Like, those kind of moments, mm. I tend to enjoy them at least as much as uh, doing cool combos and attacking right. enemies. So I defined that I would want that style and maybe mix it with uh, the gunslinger because, you know, gun cut is cool, as uh, Josh is saying. Actually, that's one of the areas where Devil May Cry 4 actually improves over Devil May Cry 3, because once you finally get Dante in the second half of the game, you're actually able to switch styles mm. on the fly. So um, that was really useful, because sometimes you, uh, Gunslinger is more useful on certain enemies than you you know, swap to Trickster, and it was very easy, unlike Devil May Cry 3, where you have to change it in between levels, which can be a bit of a pain. The potential combination of styles, weapons, both melee and firearm, are fairly astronomical. So you've got, I think there's something like nine melee weapons, swords, twin swords, uh, sort of nunchuck type affair. Uh, so, and then you've also got pistols, a shotgun, uh, an energy beam, a rocket launcher, um... Oh, and of course, there's also, uh, what's it called, Beowulf, which you get quite late on, which sort of almost offers its own fighting style as a, as a piece it of... It turns you into a Ryu. Kind of, yeah. From season. Yeah. Um, once you factor in the six styles, nine, uh, I think it's nine melee and probably a, a slightly fewer uh guns and the fact that you can flick between you can select two melee and two firearms at any one time and flip between them on the fly with the shoulder buttons uh the array of potential moves the move set available to you is actually i find overwhelming i'll be honest i find it moderately overwhelming as well um it's not so much that i couldn't do decent kind of um combinations but some of the stuff that my friend did, because he played this game solid for about nine months, um, it was just crazy. Like, your, your eyes just can't actually process what the hell's happening on screen half the time. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those games that invites and rewards expert level play but for most of us it's always going to be a long way out of reach and all we can do is kind of you know dabble around scrubbing around trying to trying to even put you know an an a rank combo together is like oh that's cool i got an a you know uh it's like so far so far off what is the the potential um i suppose maybe i and and the likes of me should consider it more like a a fighting game in the sense that you should decide on what your favorite loadout is based on how it makes you look and feel and then focus on learning that because the chance of actually mastering every weapon set and every move is minimal unless you devote your life to it i was actually going to suggest that um anyone new to this game just pick the weapons that you feel most comfortable with and feel uh, that you're actually skilled uh, using and just focus on them and get really good at them. There are loads of weapons in this game that I never use. Like there's this giant cannon gun. Yeah, in you it. get that off lady. Called, yeah. That you can pick up. Yeah, yeah. I I never used that because it was too slow. It's powerful, but it's too slow. I just picked all the weapons that were fast. Just focus on the, focus on what you do well and get that right. Don't 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 pay any uh, attention to weapons that are. Uh, don't feel right or anything like that. I wouldn't that. go that far. I mean, if you're just playing at a basic level, you might want to avoid them, but I'd, I would recommend experimentation to a degree. Because the first time that I played Devil May Cry 1, I was just using triangle, 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 more <laughs> or less. And just, like, I'm pretty good at evading and stuff, but without the combos, or at least even any attempt to try and be stylish, I found that game incredibly boring. Yeah, it's finding a level, isn't it, that... I think you know. I think that's why this game will be you know just right for some people, and they, and some people absolutely fall in yeah. love with it, and why it's just a little bit beyond what a lot of us are capable of, um, or or at least have the time and patience for. As I say, because I fundamentally enjoyed enjoyed certain things about Bayonetta more. I know you feel the other way around, Darren. Um, it inspired me to play it to the point where I got better at it, to the point that I could start to appreciate. Um, the things I was unlocking and, and start to branch out and experiment with new equipment and stuff like that. That's exactly it, because, I mean, once you're starting to experiment and you see what's working, I mean, it might be fairly difficult to employ them into your game for a start, but the more you do it, the more natural it'll feel and it'll come out at the right times. Yeah, definitely. It's it's all, I mean, like, any time that you're learning any kind of combat mechanic in any game, it's usually based on positive feedback. I mean, if totally. it feels all the time you'll you'll shy away from using it but once you find what's working and start incorporating that that in your overall game plan it it's not just handy it's satisfying you know you can think to yourself hey i just jumped on that guy soft him across the room and shot everyone in the face i'll start doing that more <laughs> from now yeah, totally yeah um i mean one thing we haven't as, as well as that that incredible depth and complexity of the fighting system you know as well as the responsiveness and the 60 frames a second all that sort of thing there's also um each style has three levels um and that that is experience outside of the orbs we were talking about that you use to purchase moves and uh and items so there is there is a reason to experiment with each style to the point that at least you unlock the third level of each uh, and that doesn't take a crazy amount of time so i've started sort of working my way through them um in the hope that i'll really click with one by get, getting up to level yeah. three it's a clever game, uh, design mechanic that just because 
if you're anything like me, generally when you're playing these games, you want everything to be at full. Yeah. So even if you a, a, a style doesn't seem to have any attraction for you at the start, you'll want to get your hands on it, level it up, and you might just find that it's actually for you, whereas you thought that it would have been completely against your style of play. Yeah, totally. But again, I, I get that sort of overwhelming feeling that how can I possibly, you know, what I, I might forever miss out on my perfect combination of style and uh, melee weapon and firearm because, you know, the actual, the number of combos I've not done the maths to work it out is so huge <laughs> that, um, that maybe I'll just never stumble across it and that sort of frustrates me. Well, this maybe... level of depth, generally you do have to go online and start speaking to other people and kind of getting their tips on what meshes and what doesn't. I mean, I remember when I was playing Ninja Gaiden, this is after I'd come back from the Master Ninja tournament and kind of proved my credentials to a degree. I went online to the forum, and um, it wasn't that I was learning, I was, some guy was asking for help, and I was trying to help the guy out. And, the, like, someone jumped in and he was like, you've got no idea what you're talking about, do you? And the thing is, what he was suggesting was fine. Now, like, uh, the people on the forum tend to knew me, so, like, they were like, uh, <laughs> actually, he probably does know what he's talking about. But um, the thing was, like, both... <laughs> Both uh, suggestions were valid. It was just two different ways of looking at it. And it's through that that yeah. you can like learn new things and adapt and change your game plan. And Absolutely. I, I think a game's like this, uh, it's no different when, when a game has this much depth and player agency. It's no different to, you know, a sport or something in that, you know, there's an insane amount of ways of approaching, you know, like a, a game of football or whatever. Um there's no right or wrong answer it's about it's about what's best for that player and what's best in the situation and stuff like that you can't it's it's yeah people will tell you they're right when actually there is no definite right answer i'm i'm curious to find out what you guys favorite weapons was i'm going to be boring and say the rebellion mixed with the sabras nevin was incredibly handy but uh, just style wise I, I quite like the basic ones yeah, me too. I stuck with the pistols and uh, rebellion all the way through the game, but I really liked uh, Nivan um, just because it was kind of an all-purpose weapon because it functioned as a um, long-distance weapon and an up-close weapon when you uh, really mastered it. And the fact that it's a guitar being played to kill enemies. Yeah, I, I also stuck with rebellion quite a lot because it's a you know it's a fine-looking sword. Um, but I also it's think iconic that, to the cutter as well. Yeah, you know? it's like it's on the cover and it just it feels same with ebony and ivory. But I also had quite a lot of fun with the shotgun and because uh, yeah, I you know it is a close combat game, so generally you're going to be closer to stuff than you are further away. So the shotgun seems to make sense. But I think actually in terms of character animation, I think the twin swords, uh, what are they called, where you've got one of each. That's it. Um, I think some of his animation there is tremendous, and and it looks really, um, that's really satisfying. You know, flashy martial arts stuff that you actually, yeah. for again for a for a, a mediocre player, you can get some really cool effects by doing very little. Uh, I also found that switching to gunslinger style and pressing the circle button was quite fun, just because it scatters the enemies from all around you, um, allowing you to bide your time and pick on things again but funnily enough you josh saying about the uh the sort of bazooka um i was carrying that the there's an interactive end credit sequence in this game so I was just uh, you uh fight an infinite amount of deep well potentially infinite how many it can spawn in that period i guess 
Um, and uh, I think I was on about 120 something or maybe even 140 something because they're all one hit kills. <laughs> it's just like bang, 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 bang throughout the entire credits. Um, and yeah, I think you is there an unlock or something for doing that? I can't remember, but I got I got a reward for it. So um, there is a use even for that, even for things you don't necessarily think of. Um, I remember uh, going on forums at the time that this was the the first release of this was hot and and reading people sharing techniques and talking about you know in in that very highly technical fighting game way about you know which frames you can exploit and which frames you don't press the button and all this this sort of stuff that is beyond 99.9 percent of people who will play this game uh but it always intrigues me when a game has that level of... Sorry, depth. I just remembered what the, the extra bit was. It's all seen with Virgil, taken on Mundus, which is the an- chief antagonist in Devil May Cry 1. Oh, okay. I didn't, yeah, I I assume, I didn't realise that's what I got. Uh, I thought that was going to happen anyway. Oh, that's good to know. Um, so that's quite easy to exploit anyway. Um... But yeah, so general feelings, uh, not summary, but um, yeah, what about the bosses? Because um, a lot of people have said, uh, and this is what I found, that the very first boss, Cerberus, is on normal difficulty. Um, I think it's a fine bit of a spike. to the game for new players. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a spike, maybe? Yeah, I would say that. I mean, that, here's one of the chief reasons that I started playing the game boring, like first time through, because a lot of the alternate tactics that I was trying just weren't working and they were getting me killed. And then I noticed that just like the why, why, uh, sort of the triangle, triangle, triangle technique was doing better than all the fancy stuff I was trying to come out with. Yeah, right. So I think that that early in the game, it it's definitely too much of a difficulty spike. And for a few levels afterwards, I was playing really conservatively because I got the feeling that I would get wiped out if I tried to be fancy. Yeah, it's very much... Very much like the spider in in the first game, in that that's where most uh, many people go. Fuck this, not for me. Yeah. So then again, I mean, Ninja Gaiden's got the same problem because a lot of people yeah. play the first level, the very first level, get to yep. Mirai and they're like, "What the yep. fuck is this?" Yeah, I've been there. Sure. I've beaten him now, but yeah, sure. <laughs> a couple of times. But yeah, and and it's almost like a from the developers kind of basically saying, "Yeah, this is how hard this game's going to be, so get used to it now." But yeah, basically, um, I don't know you. But um, I don't think they're good enough to play my game. I'll just throw in a little test here to see. Yeah, which is fine unless you've just spent 40 quid on it or something. Yeah. I I think the best boss battles in the game, though, are the ones with Virgil, because it feels it, it much like the uh, fights with, I forget the characters, and it is John was my in uh, Bayonetta. Uh, Jean, sorry. Um just the feeling of fighting somebody who's an equal to you rather than just having a big... Dual fights tend to be the best uh, boss encounters in these kind of games, I believe. Uh, sorry, Josh. Oh, I just had to yeah. get that done. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's just with the bigger ones, it just is about pattern recognition. And that's not a bad thing. It's um, They can be really entertaining. But uh, once you've learned the pattern, like with Cerberus, you're talking about how hard it is, but I've played the game five times now. I know exactly what he's going to do. Um, his animations tell me exactly what he's going to do before he does it. So that that guy's a piece yeah, of piss sure. for me now. But Virgil, Virgil is always a challenge for me, and I really enjoy That's fighting That's the thing, him. it's because the AI isn't... It's almost reactive to what you're doing. 
compared to a lot of the other enemies. And it's one of the reasons that I like Ninja Gaiden's just yeah. core battle system so much. It's because the AI of the normal enemies is very much like those deals, because they're human and they're adaptive. Um, so like these bigger bosses in um, Devil May Cry, I like them fine, but I just wish there was more, as you're saying, Virgil type enemies. Yeah, it's funny. I've I've always been completely the reverse of that in in most in most games where they where they give you uh, dual fights with a similar sort of sized humanoid character. I always find those some maybe it might be a psychological block, but I'm happier when I'm facing off a massive <laughs> massive upside down face monster in Bayonetta. Or... Yeah, maybe. I think they're handled better in Bayonetta, though. That's the thing. In Devil May Cry Three, I feel they're quite uh, basic. I would agree with in that. Bayonetta, they're really. Mm. That's the thing. I mean, the Jean fights were easily my favorite part of Bayonetta, just because, as you're saying, it's a really interesting and skillful character that you're fighting against. Got a lot of the same stuff you do, and it's just visually, it's fantastic, you know. Yeah, it's it's obviously it's a it's a video game trope to fight a sort of dark version of yourself or similar. Um, uh, uh, whether it be Prince of Persia or Link in Ocarina of Time uh, or other Zelda games, is it makes sense. Obviously, it's a it's a classic story conceit as well, you know, to fight the demon inside. But well, it's in, a this demon case, in this case, yes. Uh, although, of course, you do sort of summon your inner demon when you unlock another ability that we haven't even mentioned yet, which is basically power up Dante, uh, Devil, whatever it's called, mode where you click the sticks in. Devil trigger. Yeah, sorry, you don't click the sticks in. That's in the new one. Um, you press the shoulder <laughs> button and you get powered up. Uh, and there's another meter which is added to your list of gauges on the screen. Uh, and so, yeah, and you can imagine this speeds you up even in the regular game. But in turbo mode, uh, it's it's super crazy fast. Yeah, as I said, I didn't play turbo mode, so I've got no frame of reference. But you move fast yeah. enough normally, so I can. Yeah. I can Do get you use point. it much, Devil Bringer? Devil Trigger. I used it against boss battles, but I never used it against regular Devil Trigger, enemies. Sorry, yeah. uh, Devil Bringer's Nero's glove, which is why yes. I've been so kind of particular about. No, you're no, you're quite right. I would be particular um, as well. It's a curious thing. Usually, I forget I've got the damn thing, <laughs> and just if I feel like using it, I'll use it, and if I don't, I won't. It's yeah. definitely never been a core part of my strategies. It just seems to be something to use. Is it key to get S-Ranks and Dante must die, maybe? Maybe that's why you haven't got S-Ranks on everything, because it's like you have to bring it into your game, maybe? I, I don't know. I believe it would help, but um, I don't believe it's necessary at all. Like, a lot of Dante's standard uh, combos and techniques and tricks that you can utilize, they're deadly enough on their own. Yeah. Um, the meter runs down quite fast, but it's another one of the... That, that's, of course, one of the other items that you can buy that yeah, I couldn't think of, which is the one to ex extend it, yeah. I'm uh, blanking on it as well, don't worry. Yeah. What about you, Josh? You 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 a devil trigger man? I used it for boss battles, um, mainly because uh, when it's triggered, it actually... Uh, recovers your health um, while it's active, uh, which was really useful if you're getting cornered and somebody's really battering you, especially Virgil. But in with regular enemies, um, I didn't use it at all. What I would say is that uh, even though the game is quite tough for somebody like me, um, the 
the unlockable easy mode does mean that it's not a particularly huge challenge to get through the game but it's 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 not exactly a cakewalk on easy but it's it's much closer to it um but as i say i really appreciate the fact that you can still even if you're playing on that level um access freely access the higher difficulty levels as you unlock them uh, normal obviously is there from the start uh so there is yeah there are ways and means to get better there very much it does just about cater for everybody but as i say i think this is a game where the better you are at it and the more you commit to it the more you will enjoy it i think yeah by and large i mean as i was saying like um when i was just doing the really basic stuff the true enjoyment of the game doesn't really shine through you you do have to experiment quite a bit and just find something that you enjoy like eventually there's a flow that you feel and that's just where all my enjoyment came from, you know, being able to not exactly show off, because show enough, like, what I would consider show enough is beyond my abilities without sticking in weeks of practice. But just yeah. just getting a nice flow and getting that feeling that you're on top of things, that's it, it's a really good feeling. And uh, it's high time we heard again from some of our forumites. Snaky Dave here. Josh. Snaky Dave says... Only the odd-numbered DMCs are any good, and DMC Free is probably the series' highlight. Thankfully, it abandoned the po-face seriousness of two and embraced how campily stupid and therefore wonderful Dante and the DMC universe is. I struggle to remember exactly what the story was about, but it was told in an appropriately self-aware and humorous way. But what really stuck out in my mind were the incredibly fun cutscenes peppered throughout. Dante is a strange character. He's so ridiculously designed, huge sword, big red coat, long blonde hair, dual pistols and a rock and roll attitude. Oh, the phallic symbols. He's so blatantly designed to appeal to an adolescent male audience that he cannot help but seem silly. But unlike Kratos who is also stupidly macho, Dante in DMC3 is fun, and I can't help but find him cool in an admittedly adolescent look-at-that-long-coat-swish <laughs> kind of way. I've always enjoyed the gameplay of the DMC series, most among its genre brethren. It's the more fluid and engaging than the lumbering God of War and encourage greater ex- encourages greater experimentation than the ruthlessly fun but overly swift Ninja Gaiden. DMC3 is probably the most challenging of the series, the early boss fight with Cerberus probably being an icy difficulty spike too sharp for many. You quickly become accustomed to the game's rhythm and challenge. Only Agni and Rudra were a particular point of frustration back when I originally played. The ability to switch weapons on the fly created supremely fun combo opportunities. Juggling and moving between enemies resulted in frequently balletic action. Maintaining an SSS ranking was one of the bigger gaming highs than I can remember from my childhood. Although the original DMC probably remains my favourite, partly as it's a bit more horror starting out as a Resident Evil and has a better setting and atmosphere. DMC3 is undoubtedly the pinnacle of the series and for a time the genre until Bayonetta went and blew it out of the water. Yeah, very nicely written, Snaky Dave. 
please correspond frequently. Uh, Jerome McKee, or Mackay, he says, For me, Devil May Cry 3 was one of my favourite games on the PS2. The combat was challenging, but made you feel like a badass when you managed to pull off the amazing, sorry, an amazing multi-weapon combo, and the story engrossed me completely with the conflict between the two brothers. While I did play 1 and 2, they just didn't hook me like 3 did. And as for 4, while I enjoyed the gameplay, the story just wasn't up to snuff considering the quality of 3. All in all, I'm definitely looking forward to DMC. The new take on the franchise has me optimistic, and after playing the demo, my doubts of Ninja Theory's combat capabilities were squashed. We'll talk about DMC in a minute, as I promised. Uh, return to Scrussel here. He says of DMC 3, My time with it so far hasn't been very long. It's clearly a vastly improved game over the first. Controls feel much better, there's many times more moves, and the camera isn't a huge pain in the arse. Graphics are a huge leap up too. But even though it was much better, I was still having trouble with it. Not because of the quality of the game, but because of my own skill. Even though I enjoy the DMC series, I'm absolutely awful at it really terrible. Even though I had finished DMC4, it was only on the easiest difficulty. I've gotten about halfway through on the next level up, but got stuck and moved on to other things. I've been playing DMC3 on the default difficulty so far, and I've gotten up to the Cerberus, and I was slaughtered several times in a row before I gave up. I wasn't angry at the game though, like I was with DMC1. I didn't feel like I was battling a terrible and unfair game just to stay alive, but rather I was just not up to the level of skill I needed to be. But even in that case, I get easily frustrated with failing repeatedly at games, so I walked away from it. I'll get back to it eventually, but when I do, I think I'll have to allow myself to die a few times on purpose until the prompt comes up to lower the difficulty. Which is pretty much, well, I say deliberately, that's just what happened. <laughs> that's what I did. Delby 2K. For a long time, DMC3 was the pinnacle of the third-person action game for me. A violently impactful ballet of brutality and acrobatics where so much time had been spent on the mechanics, it was almost impossible to find a fault. The reason for this was the way the game allowed the player to express themselves through their own ability with Dante. The designers knew what they wanted to create, a system of moves and dodges that never broke that feeling of being in control, while always teasing possibilities in front of you. From the interchangeable weapons to fast switching from melee to bullets, no Carter had ever felt so brimming with power, and yet so challenging to master. The joy of finding a new set of moves that fit perfectly together is one thing that will always be a highlight, and something only recently reawakened in Bayonetta, and happily, the DMC demo. Plus, it was tough. Not unfairly so, but it was very aware that it wanted to present a challenge, and punish those that did not take the time to learn the art of dodging and timing. Any room could leave the player feeling like a god once emptied, the next could leave them feeling like a fool in a split second. The only sections I felt less happy about were the boss battles. While the levels reveled in expression, the bosses I found to be a ritualistic chore of pattern match timing. The story was slightly cookie cutter, but to be honest, that was the last consideration I had while playing this. This was as perfect an expression of combat as I, as I could have wanted in a genre that the western developers have never managed to hit the heights of. The upcoming reboot shows a ton of promise with Capcom hopefully giving Ninja Theory that final piece of the combat puzzle they've been trying to solve ever since Heavenly Sword. That upcoming reboot then, uh, we are recording 10th of January 2013 and the game is out... Five days before release. Yeah, it's out on Tuesday in, in all territories I think. Apart from Japan and possibly continental Europe. Uh, but in so so just in the US and uh, UK or Europe, uh, right? Anyway, so on the fifteenth of January, twenty thirteen, um, shortly after, uh, and Zimbabwe, of course. 
Okay, yeah, naturally. Um, so uh, this podcast will just be out before it, but you could be listening to this podcast at any time. Um, but regardless, uh, we're going to briefly uh, entertain the thoughts of the uh, of the game. Who's pl- who's played the demo? I believe we all have. Okay, thoughts, please. I'm very impressed with it mm-hmm. from what I've seen so far. Um, I think the combat system is really interesting. They've kind of um, combined Devil May Cry 3 and Heavenly Sword into one game. Um, uh, Heavenly Sword had this mechanic where if you held down certain buttons, your weapon would shift into a different form, um, and that's being applied to DMC. But it controls very quickly, much like you'd expect from a Devil May Cry game. So it's like the combination of this interesting mechanic that was in one of um, Ninja Theory's other games, but with the fluidity, with with the speed of a traditional DMC game. Did you feel that the 30 frames per second can uh, impact the gameplay at all? Um, it did a bit that it didn't feel as fast as, say, Devil May Cry 3, but none of the... En- because I didn't have much trouble with the enemies, and that's one area I'm slightly worried about, that it maybe maybe it won't be that challenging of ex- an experience, but then again, maybe that's what the series needs uh, to appeal Did you play the demo through audience. on all the difficulties? Because um, you can unlock a difficulty by finishing both sections of the demo. Uh, no, I only played through it once, so maybe that, that yeah, that's the reason then. Um, yeah, I played it through in all difficulties. Son of Sparta mode is the unlockable difficulty in the demo, and I didn't find it particularly hard, but you can see that there's the seeds of potential challenge in there. It's like they start coming in with new enemies, and enemies I'm assuming that you would fight later in the game, just teleporting in earlier than they should do. And they've also got these enemies that are colour-coded, so, I think, I believe it's the Osiris and Arbiter you get in the demo. Like, if an enemy is coloured red, you can only hit it with a demonic weapon, which is your right trigger. You hold in your right trigger, Rebellion swaps over to the Arbiter, and you'll be able to damage the enemy. If they're colour-coded like a light blue, that's your angelic weapons. Um, only the Osiris will damage them. And I get the feeling that it could be quite difficult to try and match up this colour-coding while doing your absolute best not to get smacked in the face by a scythe. I think that it could be quite challenging, but chances are it's not going to be on the same level as DMC3 as far as kicking you in the balls and then spitting in your face goes. Yeah, so um, obviously aesthetically there's been some well-documented changes. Um, Now I know you've sort of been following this, Darren. You're a big fan of Ninja Theory's previous work, particularly... uh, it's one for one with me. I wasn't a big fan of Heavenly Sword, but I really liked Enslaved. You really liked Enslaved, um, as documented. And you're a big, obviously, DMC3 fan. Well, you, you know, you've certainly played it quite a bit. Um, so how do you feel about the aesthetic changes? And what do you feel about the sort of the internet? Shall we call it an internet backlash from the fans of the I think the, the internet backlash is off to shut their mouth. You know? um, yeah. No, yeah. The thing is, exactly. there's a... There's a way that I can see why they might be disappointed with some of the changes, but there's a way that you can go around it and express your d- uh, displeasure with certain design decisions without looking like a complete arsehole. You don't well, stop yes. throwing death threats at the developers. You know, no. that kind of stuff was happening. I was looking at Twitter, okay? And one, one of the guys was sending to name Antonides, I think that's how you pronounce his name, apologies if not, 
he was sending them pornographic images asking if he was one of the guys. And I was just like, these people are disgusting. And they're giving <laughs> real, like, actual fans of the series a bad name. They're acting like absolute children. Yeah. And, look, I'm not brushing, every, like, painting everyone with the same brush. But the, the depths that some of these people all plumb to mm. is just shocking. Absolutely disgusting. And it, and it's about, like... <laughs> I mean, they changed the colour of his hair. Who, who? Move on. Yeah. Sorry, Josh, did you say this? Just like, the ch- it's they changed the colour of his hair. Just forget even... everything I said, okay? I'm going to go and send some death threats. <laughs> it's, it's just... The aesthetic isn't the core of the experience. It's the gameplay. The aesthetic was just, you know, an extra. Um... And I really like what Ninja Theory are doing with it visually. It's really inventive. It's really creative. And as long as the gameplay is the kind of experience I've come to expect, and from what I've seen, it is exactly what I've come to expect, then I'm fine with it. It's an battle system they've created as well. Yeah, it's a surprisingly good demo. Obviously, we're kind of going against the Kane and Rinse thing here because we're all about finishing games and waiting a while and then talking about them. But I think, you know... It's true, though. I mean, you can get bad games from good demos and good good, uh, games from bad. But, you know, if, if you've played it and it feels good, obviously you're going to feel slightly more upbeat on it, you know, you'll be looking forward to it as, a, um, as opposed to being cynical. Yeah. And that's what's happened here. And I, I think it's a good demo in the sense that it, it offers a good it's slice of gameplay in that it offers bo- it offers a, a, a normal bit of level and a boss fight and a bonus room or two, I think. Uh, you can actually complete it multiple times and, and unlock things. And, and I like demos that actually have that amount of thought put into them as yeah it also saves your progress yes for, uh, like if you kill lost souls it'll remember that you've killed them yeah you won't have to do it again in the future yeah and as as regards to, to the aesthetic side um now i'm somebody this sort of comes back to something we talked about very early on 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 kane and rinse in the god of war show where we actually had a discussion about the fact that perhaps western developers had never quite managed to nail fluid arena-based combat in the way that japanese developers had we were talking about god of war and devil may cry um, and I'm certainly somebody who in the past, as a, as a snobby gamer, has uh, suggested that Western developers should never be given the keys to Japanese franchises and all this sort of thing. But I have to say, having played the DMC de- demo this afternoon, although I didn't love the new Dante, he was he's a bit of a he's a bit of a twat, but he's not. I get the feeling that by the end of the game, you'll want to kiss him on the lips. He's not. He's not the utter whooping ninny of the of the of the japanese game you know he's he's just a kind he's just kind of dude you know he's just a whoa you guys totally wrecked my shop yeah yeah um oh god yeah he's you know i I can understand why some people may not like him but the idea that he's less cool than the original dante is uh is laughable to me um uh, and and the animation looks fantastic. The combat feels good. I like the fact they brightened up the palette. Some of the things they're doing with the the you know sort of warping the game world and stuff to sh- yeah, show the, the demons. The Stenden City really looks quite impressive. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, and I think the monster well, designs. My concern is that it might be a little bit too like corridor explosiony. Um, I'd, I'm wondering how that can. Uh, mm. You know, like if you've got to react to it, or if it's just for visual splendor as you're walking down the hallway. Uh, I think, yeah, it, it seemed that you could probably... I think there's a bit of smoke and mirrors going on. But, um, yeah, I did, it felt... Um, it's probably felt m- more like something not to play, not in terms of the combat so much, but it, 
the the arenas felt almost like darksiders or something like that that sort of uh, that sort of color palette and so on um obviously there are similarities in gameplay as well but yeah i enjoyed it i was i was in, uh, encouraged and um i hope it does well if it if it oh creative did you get with the combat system then? yeah i was um i was quite enjoying uh switching between the triggers so you've got uh the sort of big sledgehammery weapon on the right trigger and uh the the quick swishy sw- uh weapon on the <laughs> on the left um and it was it, it it seemed logical i also enjoyed very much the ability to both yank enemies towards you or yank yourself towards them in the air and stuff like that. Um, it... That's the one bit that I didn't quite get down even though I played it through a few times. Okay. I kept using the, the demon pull. Yeah. Um, I liked it and also some, you know, the sort of slow-mo finishing moves and stuff and it, it you know, it has, it has a pleasing flashiness to it that uh, obviously even the HD edition of the DMC3 special edition is is lacking. So, yeah, I'm I'm optimistic. Um, I'm definitely really looking forward to it. I mean, I can see some stuff might be exploitable unless they've changed it since the demo. Um did you try the demon dodge at all? What the is that the just the right bumper stuff? Um what it is, if you pull the right trigger and the right bumper at the same time, just like as soon as they're about to hit you, kind of like um which time in Bayonetta, Dante will glow red and then he does about three times the damage. Oh, okay. Um, no. And Jesus Christ, it, it decimates mm. it. Like, almost too much. Like, it feels good, but it feels like it could be exploited. I guess we can't make too many assumptions about the overall difficulty of the game from a demo section. Uh, yeah. No, we're just talking about the demo exclusively, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, and to be honest, I mean, I don't consider it a bad thing. It still feels good, you know? It doesn't unbalance the game to the point where you're just like, eh. And I mean, you do have to have decent timing. It's just, um, I mean, it, there are basically what I was trying to get mm. at there. There's some pretty interesting things that you can find in that demo if you dig a bit deeper, yeah. you know, hidden moves. And it's definitely got that kind of depth to it. And like a lot of the old, the old guard, so to speak, seem to be really vocal about the fact that they are ostensibly dominant down. Mm. But I think that making it just a little bit easier to control and it feels smoother to me, you know. I mean, I played the originals a lot. And this one just feels like more user friendly, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Not one bit. No, no. Um, I, you know, time will tell whether whether the finished game has the same level of balance and polish and depth. Uh, uh, Could easily be shit, but I don't think. No, so. but uh, you know, like if you think about, if you consider DMC three special edition as as Capcom's fourth attempt at Devil May Cry, for them to get it absolutely right, then if Ninja Theory get even close with their first attempt, that's pretty good going. They are kind of, I wouldn't say they're lying, but they'll definitely get a lot of uh, tutelage from Capcom and that. Of course, yeah. Uh, as far as the combat goes and all the rest of it. So it's not entirely an Ninja Theory production, but it's it seems like it could very well be the best of both worlds. Hope so, yeah. Hope so. Uh, correspondent Scrussell, who wrote a lot about DMC, uh, I'd like to share his thoughts on DMC Devil May Cry, the reboot. He says, I'm cautiously optimistic. I've played the demo and I thought it was pretty good. I've played through Enslaved and judging from that, Ninja Theory may have not been the best choice for a studio to make a fast-paced combat action, sorry, fast-paced action game. But the demo mostly put these concerns to rest. The combat feels fast and fluid and very much like a Devil May Cry game, even at 30 frames a second. The soundtrack is also pretty cool. Actually, interjection from me here. Uh, 
although it's more obviously uh, heavy metal and which is not you know my favorite genre um, I actually thought some of the music was quite good and not completely painful on the ears like the DMC3 mm. music yeah I'm not in that genre very much but I think they've done some good choices personally mm. Scrussell continues, I also really like the environments and some of the themes that they seem to be covering in the story. I liked how the world was presented as what we normally see, only being a veil for the demon world underneath. I like that too. Uh, and the way that world moves and twists as you move around it, the fact that it's pretty colourful is a plus too. The way they're tying that into the narrative looks pretty cool as well. The way that events and ideologies in our world are just fronts used for manipulation for the demons' own purposes. Like the way the obvious Fox News parody is presented as actually being a tool of the demons to track down Dante by spinning lies about him. They could do a lot with that. But there were some things I wasn't so keen on. The control layout seemed really odd and alien for one thing. Having to hold down RT and LT to do certain things felt unintuitive. It felt okay in combat, but outside of fighting it felt peculiar. I was starting to get used to it by the end of the demo though, so I don't think it'd be a big problem. I'm also not really a fan of what they've done with Dante. I've got absolutely no problem with how they've made him look, and I personally think the criticisms about that are, pe are pretty silly, but the way he's written is what I have a problem with. He's a knob. While the old Dante came across as someone who had comedic flamboyance, I'd, I'd, ch I'd challenge that <laughs> and was fully aware of that and able to have a lot of fun with it the new Dante comes across as an antisocial ass. he swears because he thinks it makes him sound edgy and has no respect for anyone around him the old Dante was much more engaging and fun while the new Dante is someone who I would avoid at all costs if I ever met him in real life he's not alone in the game as being a foul mouth scumbag but that doesn't excuse him but even still I'm looking forward to playing the full game I'll just do my best to ignore what Dante says and does when I'm not controlling him but that's not my last word on the topic. I've also played another demo that relates to these games, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. <clears throat> In a way, it's a spiritual successor to the original four DMC games, as was Bayonetta, since it's made by many of the same people that worked on them. I never personally played Bayonetta, but I hear it's very good. It is very good, and worthy of carrying on the torch from DMC. Revengeance seems to be following in that trend. Although the demo is pretty short, it is fantastic. Controls feels really great, and the dicing mechanic was really fun and satisfying. The game looks gorgeous too. The design of everything looks great, and the overall fidelity is brilliant. From what I experienced, story-wise, it seems like it's going to be great too. I've never played any of the Metal Gear games before, but I understand that their stories and themes tend to be very philosophical and esoteric. Seems this time around there won't be any change to that. At the end of the demo, I fought a robot dog with a chainsaw on the end of its tail, who throughout the fight was discussing the purpose of life and the agency of guys with Raiden. I love stuff like that, and if the rest of the game is like that, then I'm sold. If there's anything negative I had to say about the demo, it would be that the enemy variety wasn't too thrilling. I guess it's another aspect that had to be in the game to make it fit with the Metal Gear universe, but for most of the demo I found myself fighting nothing but generic soldier dudes and a few smaller Metal Gears. It's a bit underwhelming when you compare it to the monsters and demons of DMC and Bayonetta, but it was only a demo. Hopefully the full game will have more interesting stuff in it. So yeah, it's true actually. Um, until I read that, I kind of, even though I've been you know studying the release list uh, and seeing that uh, Metal Gear Rising is on the way, and I'm I'm quite you know quite keen for it. I do like Platinum's work. I like Metal Gear. Uh, I hadn't sort of thought that these two are almost going head to head, aren't they? I suppose they are to a degree, but I, well, I feel that they're, just the way they play in their entire aesthetic, mm. you know, just it doesn't seem to be aimed at the yeah. same audiences at all. I was going to say that it, it seems like they're targeting a different uh, market. Um, I, I, it doesn't seem that uh, Metal Gear Rising is even attempting to appeal to the mainstream. Mm. It knows who its audience is, and it's going to stick with them. Whereas with uh, DMC, it feels like it's being positioned to uh, appeal to yeah, the Yeah, I mean, the entire market. kind of 
story than New DMC. It it seems to be very targeted at the kids as a whole, you know, like youthful rebellion, etc. Um, I, I've got no problem with it. I've got I've definitely got no problem with Revengeance's style either. So good times. You know, I think they'll both yeah. be good games. Frankly, you know, I think they've they've both got their uh, purpose in the world, and they shouldn't. I mean, you've got the fanboys on both sides yeah, trying to say that they are going head to head, and only one can win, which is pure bullshit. There's room yeah. for them both. The true, true winners, winners are yeah, the people who fans of both. fans of the action by arena, both. Uh, 3D third-person brawler combat genre are being well serviced this year, and uh, that's that's probably a good thing. Um, who knows? We may return one day with a cane and rinse on either or both of those games. In the meantime, let's round up first with our three-word reviews from Twitter. Snakey David, deliriously fun combat. Jerome MCI, surprisingly good story. Hmm. <laughs> that was that was an editorial. Hmm. There, Barbex says way too hard. Michael Ledward, wholesome, brutal, fun. Follow my ruin says odd, greater than even. Yeah, he's used the greater than sign as his middle word, so we'll let him have that. Tommy Malone says, prequel defeats sequels. Jam Jam 86, pizza surfing fun. Which is in reference to a bit at the start of the game where he throws a pizza into the air and then starts surfing around on demons. Yeah, and it's been stuck to the roof for the entire duration of chapter one. Falls off the roof and then he tries to eat it. And he kicks his chair and it lands the right way up with a massive bassy boom, because it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and finally K7E7Z is there some leet speak I don't understand in that <laughs> I, don't, I can't pronounce that anyway he says or she says fond memories indeed let's see Yigami says ultimate combo systems so our own summaries let us start with young Joshua Garrity uh, for me, Devil May Cry Free and Bayonetta are the king and queen of the 3D brawler genre. Um, I think in terms of mechanics, uh, Devil May Cry Free is about as good as it gets. The depth is almost unparalleled, apart from maybe Ninja Gaiden and Bayonetta. Um, the style system is really interesting. Um, a, uh, just a way of customizing the experience and personal uh, personalizing the experience for you specifically um for the kind of combat experience you want um the story and the characters i do enjoy but not in any kind of genuine way <laughs> if that makes in any an aloof sense. sort of like <laughs> looking down your nose just, way <laughs> i they're fun that's the best way I can describe it. They're just really ridiculous fun. And the characters are dumb and the story's dumb. But because it's, it's... like watching a child spout jokes. <laughs> yeah. Just really crap jokes. Yeah, it yeah, it's just it's kind of consistent in its dumbness, if that makes any sense. It's 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 nowhere near as bad as some of the worst examples of this. Uh, if anyone's played God Hand, they'll know what I'm talking about. That game has some of the worst dialogue of any game I've ever played. Um, and Devil May Cry 3 is just kind of all right. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's one of the best action games I've ever played. I love it. Bless. 
Uh, that sounded really patronising. I didn't mean it um, to come out that way. Uh, I really wanted to enjoy Devil May Cry 3 a lot more than I did, to be honest. Um, I, As I say, I played it a little back in the day, um, found it perhaps overtly challenging. I think now, uh, you know, I, I wasn't doing a podcast or anything back then or writing reviews. Um, I perhaps didn't think about why I didn't gel with it so much. Um, and I, I have to say, I think that does have to do with the aesthetic uh, and the stylings of it. I recognise that the combat is excellent. I am genuinely impressed with its depth and complexity and technicality. Uh, the, as I say, the, the combo of styles and weapons and, and stuff and the fact that you can grind and play at different difficulties and stuff. I, I really like that. But I don't enjoy the characters. Um, Dante's a prick. Virgil's a dick. Uh, the others are just pure two-dimensional cartoon fodder um when you combine that with the fact that a lot of the music is quite difficult on the ear the graphics are kind of dull and murky and don't look great even in the hd version i just found myself longing to be playing bayonetta the whole time which i absolutely loved fell in love with um got i've got to throw in that our experiences are almost mirror opposites here yeah like i like the yeah. the the core combat and bayonetta and all the rest of it but the aesthetics in the cart and all the rest of it it's almost exactly what you're saying for Devil May Cry 3. And it's a, the thing is, people say it doesn't matter. It really does. Yeah, I, I totally accept that. Um, obviously, you know, Bayonetta isn't like a work of Shakespeare or anything, but I enjoyed it. No, no, I, I, enjoyed its, uh, I enjoyed that style of camp silliness a lot more. It made me laugh. It had uh, a joie de vivre and an energy that DMC 3, for me, doesn't have. Um, I, you know, again things like the music whether it be there as i say there are some decent Fly me to there are some decent orchestral pieces in dmc3 but the the the, the drum and bass metal stuff is is horrendous to me um whereas i enjoyed the the really camp uh j-pop and jazz and and whatever in, in bayonetta plus it just looks a million times better um and i prefer the monster design and i prefer the feel of the combat and i like which time and so on and so forth so what I'm saying is that I couldn't recommend that anyone play DMC3 over Bayonetta based on my experience. Also, Bayonetta is more accessible in terms of difficulty. It it does get really tough on the higher settings, but it it's easier to get into. Um, so I think, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough one to... And unless you're somebody who... If you are somebody who absolutely loved other games of this genre and haven't played DMC3... Uh, then it may well be the best sort of expression of 3D combat, along with Bayonetta, perhaps. Um, so you should play it. But if you're just somebody who likes to play through games for, you know, play them through once, see the story, enjoy the combat, I, I think this game is is not is not for those people. But, Darren? Well, for me, Devil May Cry 3 Special Edition, a lot of people ask me why I consider it the king of the genre. Because, obviously, I'm such a huge fan of Ninja Gaiden. And that might be my favourite game ever. But the thing is, the combo-based genre is really... It really does belong to two games, which is Devil May Cry 3 and Bayonetta, which I didn't gel with personally. You know, the combat's fine. All the reasons I didn't quite like it so much have gone over already. But it's just... It's an absolute expression of what... Of your own individuality in a game. There's so much options for attacking and defending, getting out of the way of my attacks. The gameplay is just spot on. It's down to it. It really is down to the wire, you know? Like, every frame counts. 
And under expert play, it's just some of the stuff that can be demonstrated as mind-blowing. And while I've never really got up to quite that sort of upper echelons of Devil May Cry play, what I can do is... It's visually interesting to me while I'm doing it. It feels great. And the, the game is continually challenging and enjoyable pretty much throughout. Um, I, I actually enjoyed the cutscenes. I, I didn't really like Dante very much as a protagonist, but the lunacy of the cutscenes and like just little touches such as each chapter's like if you're in chapter 3 you'll see like possibly a burning 3 happening in the introductory cutscene and it's just little stylish touches like these that really sold the game as well like uh, from a presentational standpoint. The music was f generally final through the battle theme is awful but it's just a damn good time and if you're like, average players might not get that much out of it, and it is starting to age a little bit. You know, with the fixed camera angles, and the fact that it doesn't look as good as games that are on the market today, which is, obviously, it's understandable, but um, it, it it's also a sad fact that it's starting to look a little bit ropey in places. But it's just a damn good time. Really enjoyed it. If you're trying to see just how in-depth and complex an action game can be, it's possibly the finest example on the market. So yeah, I would recommend it to anyone that likes action games. But if you do like action games, chances are you've already played it. Not necessarily. I think there's probably quite a few people who have come to this genre, maybe in this generation of consoles, who maybe haven't you know, played it and... Um, I suppose it's it, true. I'm looking through, like, old man goggles here. Yeah, it is It is available. Obviously, the HD collection is, is not expensive. Um, you can download it i think from psn certainly from uh on demand or the other way around um or probably buy it very cheap but equally um if you like the th if the idea of the game but don't fancy that sort of heavy metal uh, goth uh, aesthetic then there is the option of bayonetta for similar prices i would imagine uh yeah your the one you enjoy the most aesthetically will vary as as you have heard um final thing on dmc before i do the roundup is that hair color thing um, my theory is, I don't know if this has been, I'm sure this has been posited elsewhere, but it came to me today. I reckon that Dante's hair is going to go white at the end of the reboot through some experience he has. And all the fanboys are going to go, ah! Oh. His hair actually goes white when he uses his uh, equivalent of the devil trigger. Oh, is that what, is that maybe where they've, where they've put it in? Um, yeah. Okay. That, I, my theory was cooler. <laughs> um, what is the, d Darren? Josh did you? wasn't really a theory, though. It was just a fact that what happened to the game. <laughs> yeah, but what they should have done is what is is what I came That's up what you with. Said. Yeah, yeah. No, that would have been good, wouldn't it? Because that would have been a real fuck you to all the you know all the. Uh, oh, they changed his hair. I hope they don't like... do it because I get the feeling that some of the fan base would be like, "Ah, I knew the pussy out in the end." <laughs> Yeah, you're pro probably right there. Uh, what was your thing you were going to say about his hair, or were you just joking? Do you actually know the hair? It the was white to do hair? with uh, fanboys and semen. I'll just say that much. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Have Capcom ever really uh, revealed canonically why uh, a young man has white hair? Is it simply because he's demon spawn? I think it's just to make him look cool. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're right. That's pretty much it. Unless um, the fact that Sparda and Ava. Um, like, their genetics ended up with a white hair because they're, like, uh, demons and angels, etc. 
Yeah, yeah. I I honestly don't think the developers thought that much about the DMC lore. <laughs> no, neither do really I. Is just sometimes they try to retcon cool. up there. So. Yeah, true enough. Uh, which uh, yeah, sort of DMC three does a bit of that. Anyway, the roundup. Uh, a few updates for you listeners. Uh, we had planned, and we've been long been advertising a couple of podcasts, which now probably won't be happening uh, anytime soon, but hopefully will still happen one day. Those are Applejacks 1 and 2. Uh, we have been in touch with Tim Sycamore um, about getting together and doing the show. I'm not sure he currently possesses the recording equipment. Um, also, I think he may be shy. I'm not sure. But um, regardless of that, uh, well, I'll continue to talk to him. I know he listens to some of the shows. don't know whether he'll listen to this one. He's definitely a hardcore gamer because he's. Um, you can tell from his Twitter that he plays all sorts of cool stuff. Um, in the meantime, regardless of that, you should totally download Applejacks 1 and 2 from Xbox Live Indie Games because they are insanely good value for money. Um, that One of the reasons we're not doing an Applejack 1 and 2 show without him is because one of the things we always pledge is that we finish games. There's no way I'm ever going to finish Applejack let alone Applejack 2. I'm about I'm about a fifth of the way in, maybe a, maybe a quarter. Um, it's insanely hard, but it's like uh, it costs about sixty eight pence or a dollar. So um, it's worth it's worth that for the graphics and the music alone. Um, they're both really good games. They are just o- overly generous <laughs> as regards to content and difficulty. Um, Especially when you day- see the rest of the dross that's on XBLA indie games. Yeah. Um, although I've got a yeah, there's there's there's, there's a good lot ones, of, but I mean, they're drowning their fake dating simulators and push like that. That is so true, and that is exactly why we wanted to highlight one of the one of the gems in amongst all the dirt. But uh, we've done our bit for now. But hopefully, Tim will still come on one day, or or we'll do a separate interview. Similarly, uh, Vanda Caballero, the man behind uh, Minority Media, Papo and Gio, um a lot of us have played that game now, uh, and we have completed that one because it's not very difficult to complete it's quite short but we really want to speak to vanda on the show because it's such an interesting and personal game um he took a holiday over the period we we would have needed to record the show the lazy bastard no he's obviously had an insanely busy year um we spoke to his pr he's currently not available to do a show but um we'll try again later in the year because uh, that's a game that will remain worth talking about forever We've also had communication with Jim Crawford, the man behind the internet sensation that is Frog Fractions, and we're going to record an interview with him which may go out as a separate bonus podcast or possibly as an audio article on the blog and later to appear on the Cane and Rinse periodical, which you should download the fourth issue of, which is out now for your iPad or similar device. There's also a PDF version. It's like the best gaming mag you've ever read, but it's free. So forthcoming shows include it's the like meme machines. It's better than meme machines. <laughs> it's better than zero. It's better than CMVG. It's better than maximum. Your Sinclair. Better than your Sinclair. Good God! This must be an amazing thing. Well, I don't know. It's got it's got something you've written in it, Darren. So. Oh shit! I can yeah. see why you like it so much. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we've shoehorned in uh, an Alan Wake show. Uh, for which is obviously a completely different game to Papo and Joe and Applejack. Just it was there, and we can do it. So Alan Wake coming up. Uh, the return of both Tony Atkins from Paternity Leave and Jay Taylor. Would you believe? Then Shenmue Two. Then The Walking Dead Season One. Spec Ops: The Line. Crisis and Crisis Two. Bioshock. The Streets of Rage trilogy. Starcraft Two: Wings of Liberty. I am alive. 
Bioshock 2, the Animal Crossing series, Grand Theft Auto 4 and those episodes from Liberty City, Dark Souls, the most requested of all shows, Metro 2033 and XCOM Enemy Unknown. And we haven't decided any more than that, but if you've completed all that lot, well done. And I'm sorry. The full upcoming schedule can possibly be found on the blog. I'm not actually sure, but you should come and check out the blog anyway at canerince.com. You should also check out our quick rinse videos on the blog or on the canerince YouTube channel. Our Twitter account is at canerince. We have a Facebook page. And very importantly, we like your subscriptions, reviews and ratings on iTunes. And best of all, we'd like you to join the canerince community at canerince.com slash forum. It only remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Darren Foreman and Josh Garrity. And we'll see you next time. Feel free to die when you've had enough. Use